Welcome to Preston's Super Show. News, sports, and a whole lot more. It's the Super Show, baby. Warning. This show contains material that is only suited for patriotic audiences and people who have a backbone. If you like God, guns, and glory, you're listening to the right show. Sit back or carry on and enjoy Preston's Super Show. To the show. We have a great show. And this week, we're talking about what just went down in week five. I'm going to tell you who's for real and who's not. Usually, since about 2015, we've seen the first few weeks of the NFL not be too much of a precursor to what's going to happen in the playoffs, but more of oh the first few weeks just being who's the who's the best in that time period right out right out of the gate. Something happens after week five. Every year since about twenty fifteen the league has changed dramatically rule wise, uh speed wise, strength wise the game has changed dramatically. The the coverages, the packages, the defense run, the offenses have completely changed in just five years. And you've seen this developing even going to 2013, uh, going back to 2010, dare I say going back to 2006. But this has been a development in the NFL where you see these first few weeks you see a lot of a lot of what a lot of what we think is going to happen besides probably the browns being the biggest surprise i i will give them that credit i will say okay the the browns are the biggest surprise here but other than that backed up by my picks that i've been picking um just over on espn pick skin pick them everything else to me has been pretty much predictable we're seeing the league shape out basically how I seen this league shaping out this year, especially with limited practice, limited preseason, the works. But the development that happens after week five is a, is a theme in the NFL where you see a lot of predictability early on, but then later in the season, the teams that are supposed to be good either dis- start to distance themselves or they start to have trouble. In week five, week four, you really get a good look at the first quarter of the season. Now, we don't know what's going on with COVID-19. We don't know how long we're going to have a season, but we're going to enjoy a while it's here. I'm not going to speculate on uh, frivolous things like that where we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. 
we're going to recap these uh, week five games, and I'm going to go ahead and start with Tampa Bay versus Chicago. And Tom Brady, uh, very ugly game, very uh, disappointed in that performance. And then the Bears' performance, I wasn't impressed with either. I I totally believe the Bears are pretenders. They're squeezing by because of their great defense. They're just getting past teams because of their great defense. And Nick Foles being around for as long as he has, if you give him an opportunity in the fourth quarter during garbage time, he's going to he's he's got a really good opportunity to win the game. And that's just this Nick Foles deal the Bears have working in their favor. But other than other than that, Allen Robinson's your best receiver. Everybody knows that, so expect the de- all the defenses to adjust. And you have uh, Montgomery as the running back, and I mean he had a, a lousy game. He ran for twenty nine yards, and then you look at Tampa Bay, and they were running the ball so well. The you know my pick of the game for the best player of the game was their running back uh, Jones the second. 17 carries for 106 yards with the longest of 37. And he was doing a really good job out there. And for some reason, Tom Brady had to throw the ball 41 times. And he was spreading the ball out. His receivers aren't the type of receivers that are going to give you a lot of yards after the catch. These are going to be a lot of passes that that's where that pass ends. Maybe they get a few yards out of that, you know, a few yards extra. But this is not a receiving core that's going to lead the league in yards after catch. You can write that down. They're not going to do it. This receiving core will not do it. Rob Gronkowski is just now getting involved because O.J. Howard's out. And he only had three catches for 52 yards. Um, And he was their second leading receiver behind T. Johnson, four catches for 61 yards. So I just don't see this Tampa Bay team being a huge threat down the road. Now, you never know what can happen, but I I don't see that, and I don't see the Bears being a legitimate threat down the road. Both these teams this year are pretenders. The weird thing about it is I have a feeling one or two of these teams has a chance to make the playoffs just because of the way the matchups are are in this league and because it's after week five, it starts to become a week-to-week league. That will be the theme. It's going to be a week-to-week league. You're going to see when a team goes on a way trip, business. They're going to their whole social media is going to be hashtag business trip, hashtag business trip. They're on a business trip. It's a week-to-week league. That's the mindset now. That started becoming a thing around 2015. That wasn't really talked about like that. You kind of knew every year the Browns were going to suck. You knew if Peyton Manning was on the Colts, they were going to be good. You knew if Tom Brady was in New England, it was going to be good. You, these things were already done deals. Drew Brees, you knew where he was. You knew he was going to be good. You you knew the teams that were going to be good, and now the league has changed so much. Look how many t- uh, quarterbacks have moved around from Tom Brady to Phillip Rivers that are veterans. The league has changed so much. so. It's going back to this week-to-week league. 
that it started to become a 2015 because of the talent level getting so much better in the NFL. But now you're starting to see it really pick up. And you've seen it pick up in a lot of these games this week that were really close games. And some of them not so close. But a lot of these games were close. And that's a good sign for week five. Like I said, we're about a quarter of the way through the season. You're going to start to see the theme be a week-to-week league. Write that down. Don't get ahead of yourself. Uh, this is a week-to-week league after week five. First couple weeks, it's very predictable. You kind of know who's hot. You know who's not hot. You know what's going on. You have a small sample size to work with. Teams have a small sample size to work with. It's a little bit more predictable. Now you start to get into a longer season. It's not going to be. The NFL's not going to be as predictable because you have more information now. That's not, It's not going to work out that way. This is a week-to-week league. Mark my words. It's all about the matchups. It comes down to the matchups. That's why they play the games. Carolina versus Atlanta. Carolina won this game. I knew they would win this game because Teddy Bridgewater is a great quarterback, and he's going up against a patchwork Atlanta Falcons defense that's garbage. And Bridgewater threw for over 300 yards, had two touchdowns. What a day. What a game. And uh, Mike Davis running the ball did a a bang-up job. 16 carries for 89 yards. And then Atlanta, you know, Matt Ryan just wasn't really, didn't really have a Matt Ryan day at the office. He didn't throw a touchdown, threw a pick. Gurley was running the ball well, but they only gave him 14 carries. I would have liked to see that been a bigger theme. You got away from the running game and you got beat because you couldn't sustain drives long enough and you put your patchwork defense on the field. And Bridgewater just sliced you up, and Mike Davis just bullied your defense around. And the Falcons are pretenders this year. We all know that. I'm pretty sure everybody, even the Falcons fan, they they all know right now. Like, yeah, we're pretenders. Arizona versus the Jets. You know, Arizona just, they finally showed up. But the problem is the Jets were, uh, what, they down to their... Backup quarterback, Joe Flacco, and he threw the ball 33 times and completed 18 passes, and that just sounds like Joe Flacco now at this point in his career. And Le'Veon Bell is doing nothing. He's giving you nothing. And Frank Gore is giving you nothing. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't see anything with the Jets team. They're pretenders. They're not going to start picking it up. Some of these teams are, are more predictable than others. Arizona is very unpredictable. We don't really know what we're going to get with Arizona because of the way Kyler Murray runs his offense when he's out on the field. He doesn't stick to the script. He takes off running. He doesn't get rid of the ball when he needs to. Um, it's sloppy a lot of times, but for some reason, these Cardinals, uh, I still have a good feeling about them. They had three rushing touchdowns in this game. Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds. Kyler Murray all had a rushing touchdown. So they want to be able to run the ball on you. He threw he threw a touchdown to Hopkins. Finally, Hopkins came alive. I wasn't really putting that on Kyler Murray. I was putting that on Hopkins. Like, Hopkins hasn't looked right out there. All the clips, all the footage I've seen of Hopkins, it just hasn't looked right. And finally in this game, uh, he came alive. And now the Cardinals are 
starting to look like, and at least I think they still are, because I said at the beginning of the year, and now we have more information on them with that small that small five weeks. We have a small sample size on the Cardinals. So with that, I can say so far, I'm not impressed. I thought they would be doing better, but they came to play this week. And now, like I said, it's becoming a week-to-week league. So I think the Cardinals are still very much in the hunt uh, to get into the playoffs. I think they're very much in it. And the Jets aren't. They're just not. They have nothing going for them. Uh, I don't I don't know what the future uh is for the Jets this year but it's not it's not going to get any better right with what they have their receiving is weak their running game is unbalanced and their defense can't stop anybody so I just don't understand that Jets team right now there's no motivation there's no enthusiasm it's a downtrodden locker room Philadelphia Eagles versus Pittsburgh Steelers. I knew the Steelers would win this one. Um, I don't like this Carson Wentz thing. I think he's, uh, I don't think he's a very accurate quarterback. I see him make a lot of mistakes. And I'm being honest. I'm not trying to rip on him. Oh, you're just a Packers fan. You don't know shit. No, I'm being honest with you. I don't think Nick Foles was better. I like Carson Wentz over Nick Foles, but something with Carson Wentz, he's like a deep ball. He just reminds me of a good deep ball college quarterback. Like he's, he's a, he's a, a a better version of Dwayne Haskins. Like that's what he is. And that's what you have. So no, I'm not big on the Eagles this year at all. I think they're pretenders. The Steelers are for real. And Ben Roethlisberger is having the best season of his life. He's having the best season of his life because he has a bunch of young receivers who bought in and he has uh Eric Ebron who's uh still has a lot to offer. Um and he has, of course, James Conner and McLeod and Snell and all these different people that are running the ball and getting uh yardage when they need the yardage. So the situational Football for the Steelers is really good. You got to credit Mike Tomlin for that, the head coach and the head, and the coaching staff. This the Steelers team is for real. They're in the hunt and uh, they're going to stay in the hunt as long as Roethlisberger's back there at quarterback. If he's not back there at quarterback, there that that's that's an automatic. And we let's uh, say, you know, that defense even holds up the way it has to hold up. That's fine. But you got to have Roethlisberger back there because with a year like this that he's having, you can't you can't substitute that. There's no way to substitute that. He's your guy right now. You got to ride the hot hand all the way through. Um, Packers know it, right? Aaron Rodgers, you got to ride the hot hand all the way through. It's just the way of the game. It's the way. So it's, it's the nature of the game. It's the nature of the beast in the NFL. But I just find it very interesting. Um. That now we've seen five weeks. So with five weeks, you know, I've predicted a lot of this. This is all, these are all things I've been predicting. Uh, the Steelers are there. I didn't think they would be this good, but I said, ah, well, they're the Steelers. Then they have Mike Tomlin as their coach and Roethlisberger's still back there. Yeah. He's probably a couple, you know, one good hit away from being done, but that's, that's not the case yet. And he's also not the easiest guy to tackle. So. 
that's another challenge defenses are having uh, with Roethlisberger. He's, he has, he's still very strong, and uh, he's, he's still able to keep a play alive. But he's not going to run on a defense. He's just going to be able to move in the pocket well. The Rams beat on the Washington football team. And the Washington football team, like, I have a bone to pick with them. Like, your defense is garbage. Your defense is not really, and it doesn't look like an NFL defense to me. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're a Washington football team fan. Well, there's a problem with your team's defense. I could say a lot of things about a lot of teams' defense, but I think the worst defense in the NFL is the Washington football team. And I would fade them in every opportunity I got. And you had the LA Rams come to town who have a high potent offense. And they've been looking for everybody on this team to get involved. They want Higby involved. They want Cooper Cup involved. They want Robert Woods involved. Everett. Uh, no one even knew who he was a week ago, and all of a sudden, this is the was the leading receiver of the game. Um, I mean, Jared Goff takes a lot of heat for losing that Super Bowl, and I and that's understandable. That's very understandable as a fan, but just as a casual fan, that doesn't mean anything to you. What matters to you is uh, when you know have, uh, an enjoyable game. You want your team to win, but you're not going to hold it against them. But what I liked about golf in that game was you're going up against a subpar defense, a weak defense. So you should be able to beat this defense, and you do. And now that just made, just reaffirmed my belief that the Washington football team is the worst defense in the league. I mean, just the how pretty much easy it was for golf out there. You I mean, you might say, oh, he you know, uh, threw an interception. Yeah, but that one was whatever at that point. I mean, they won the game 30-10. to 10. Washington was never in it. Um, I mean, everybody was talking about the Alex Smith story. Yeah, that's great. But I don't, I mean, he didn't do anything. I mean, what, what, what did that matter? Um, and then Kyle Allen, he, this is supposed to be the guy, right? He's, you know, pretty much got, crapped on for Teddy Bridgewater, no big deal, but, you know, then he comes to the Washington football team, and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, definitely would rather have Bridgewater. Definitely a good move. Baltimore versus Cincinnati, I mean, that was a no-brainer, right? Like, the NFL made this game. Everybody could pretty much predict this one, except the Bengals fans. You know, for some reason, they thought Burrow was going to do something here. I don't know. I didn't see it. Joe Mixon uh, has been a bit of a bust. And he's been a bit of a bust for a few years. And you can say what you want about that, but I'm not impressed. And Joe Burrow, I'm not impressed with on an NFL level. Didn't even get over, he didn't even crack over 184 yards, let alone 200 yards. And uh, Lamar Jackson is not, like, I see the Ravens as a team. They're in the hunt. They're going to make it to the playoffs, and then they're going to get beat in the playoffs. I just have, that's just the way I look at this team. Their committee approach to the running back, that's not going to work. Uh the Rams have a committee approach to running back. I know a lot of teams have a committee approach to running back. I can see it with two running backs, but with three running backs, it's some guys need that role to to go, or you or there needs to be two solid backs, and then a third guy that could come in, uh, you know, in garbage time if you're if you're up, you know, and and hang on to the ball. Those those are what you're looking for. This committee approach where 
you got one game Ingram's running the ball the most, then a game where Edwards is running the ball the most, or Dobbins. I mean, it's hard to get all these guys involved. But the Ravens easily beat the Bengals. I didn't think it was going to be hard at all. I thought this would be a route. 27-3 wasn't really a route, but it was a no contest. And Lamar Jackson looked good. Definitely looked good. Looked like he's having, you know, he's on pace for a good year. But I don't see him breaking like a ton of like he's not going to be the great passer. He's not going to be known as the pocket uh, assassin where you're just slicing up defenses. He's not that guy. He's the guy that's right now. He's young. He's got good legs. And he's going to be running. And uh, then when teams are thinking he's going to be running uh, the ball, he can catch you over the top of the pass. He's he's going to be able to do those type of things while he's young and while he has fresh legs. But as he gets older, this is not the pocket passer. This is not he, like you in the NFL. You either have it or you don't. Like there's no all of a sudden just you got it now. They they thought that about Michael Vick. They thought all of a sudden no this is he's going to be you know this pocket passer now. And how'd that go? That didn't go well. It's not it's not a reality, folks. And if you prove me wrong, then prove me wrong. So be it. But I I don't I'm not big on this Ravens team. Uh, besides making the playoffs, I would bet on that. I would say yeah they're going to make the playoffs. But I'd say they're going to make it out of the playoffs to Super Bowl. No, no they won't. Houston finally got back on track against Jacksonville. Jacksonville, big pretenders with Gardner, Gardner Minshew. Threw the ball 49 times. Uh, James Robinson pretty much did nothing. 13 carries for 48 yards. If he doesn't get hot this year and he starts to slow down, this Jacksonville team is in big trouble because that defense will get shredded out there. Jacksonville defense is weak. Uh, second worst defense is Jacksonville's. Just so everybody remembers that, write that down somewhere. Second worst defense in this in this league is Jacksonville. You don't have to look at stats. You just look at how they play. Stats will mislead you a little because all teams don't play the same teams. You can draw to certain stats and say, okay, this is clear here. That's not always the case. It's the matchups. And I can't stress it enough. Deshaun Watson. You know, Deshaun Watson is a... Very talented quarterback. I see Deshaun Watson as the quarterback that can be the pocket passer. See, I look at him a little bit different than Lamar Jackson. I would like to see Deshaun Watson run less. And I would like to see him just start doing what he did in this game. uh, Throw the ball 35 times for 359 yards and three touchdowns. Okay, you threw two picks, but you threw three touchdowns. You won the game. You were in control of this game. Brandon Cooks got hot. Will Fuller's looking good. Fells, you, uh, Fells had a couple good catches at the touchdown. Cobb, you need Cobb to get going. You have to keep him involved in the offense. You got him six catches. This was a good week for Houston. Then the defense came alive. J.J. Watt, you know, everybody pitching in. This became a really good game for the Texans, and they need to feed off of this game going into next week. So, I think the Texans are for real. I think they're play I think they're players for the to make it to the playoffs. I think they're in the hunt. And I don't think Jacksonville is. I think we we've been fed a bunch of gabbage about uh the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think they're pretenders. Las Vegas versus Kansas City. Everybody's very surprised that Vegas played a good game. But these are the same people surprised. 
that were saying Vegas was a great team and they were good from week one. So I didn't understand that. These same media type people are the people that have been preaching Las Vegas from week one. And then they were surprised that they beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs by eight points. So I don't understand that. But what I do understand is that if, and this is quite a big if, Josh Jacobs continues to run like he did against that Kansas City Chiefs team, which I don't think is is going to happen, but I, I can be wrong. That's fine. Um, And you can disagree with me. That's fine. But if Josh Jacobs can, continues to run the way he did against that Kansas City Chiefs defense, um, against other defenses, and then they can mix in Booker uh, for a few carries here and there, um, and, and he if he can get a, few, uh, a couple nice gains, that's good as well. But they need Jacobs to be a beast. They need Jacobs to be a monster like he was in this game. He was a real monster in this game. 23 carries. He carried the ball more times than Derek Carr completed passes. And uh, he had Josh Jacobs at 77 yards rushing, two touchdowns he ran in, bull rush, and uh, his longest run was seven yards. So that just shows you he was he was getting those tough yards this whole game. That can tell you someone who's getting tough yards. Derek Carr was good. He was on fire this game, and he really – is going to give a blueprint to other teams now on how to stretch out and beat this Kansas City Chiefs defense. This game is a little bit of a double-edged sword for the Kansas City Chiefs. And really what I mean by that is like it has favorable and unfavorable consequences. Like one, it's humbling. It's very humbling. That's very favorable. You know, in the NFL, you need to be humbled. Um, otherwise, I don't think you can win a Super Bowl in today's NFL unless you've been your team's been humbled. So I think that, and I truly believe that, because um, Kansas City was humbled a season ago, right? So then they went on to win the championship, and it was bittersweet. But my whole deal here is that you look at this Vegas team, you look at this Chiefs team, and I say, okay, well, this is a division game. I I always expect these teams to play each other tough. Throw the records out the window. Throw the stats out the window. This is football. It's down and dirty. You know, let's you know, it's a team sport. Let's go. And uh, I look at this team as like these two teams, and I say, we're gonna see these two teams again, right? We're gonna see these two teams one more time, run it back, um, and then. In the playoffs, right? Do, do these teams, after they play their division games against each other, do we see them in the playoffs now uh, at some point playing against each other? Because I think that's a real possibility. Although I think the Chiefs will be better at that point in the season because the Chiefs seem to be a team that's built for a long run and not a short run. Um, in my eyes, and this Raiders team is built for kind of like a medium-sized run. So I'm interested in watching week to week and seeing what the Raiders do and kind of judging them that way. Because I don't want to tell you if the Raiders are that I don't want to say the Raiders are pretenders, but I don't I'm not sold yet either. I'm not sold. This performance didn't sell me on 
the Raiders and maybe it sold all these other people. They're going to take the bait, but I'm, I'm more looking at this. Like this was a humbling, a humbling defeat for the Kansas city defense that underrated this Raiders offense. And that's really my take on it. I don't think it's as big of a, uh, a deal as ex- except for the fact the double edged sword that comes into play where now teams are going to be able to use that against the chiefs moving forward especially teams that like to throw the football and have uh, power running backs. So if you have power running back and you have uh, good receivers, speed receivers, you can beat the Chiefs defense in a lot of ways. So I think that's the new blueprint to beat the Chiefs, and the Raiders expose that in week five. Then you got Miami versus San Francisco. Okay, Miami, I knew they would come into town and just beat San Francisco, right? Like they had Jimmy Garoppolo. He was good to play. Um, and then he didn't do anything through two picks. Like he looked like, he looked like shit. I mean, like this dude looked terrible out there. I was like, man, you should even have started him. Uh, Mostert was good though. Like Mostert was running the ball. Well, I would have liked him to kind of get him more involved and they're receiving. It's just like, someone's got to step up. Someone's got to step up period. Like George Kittle, you know, you guys were all big and bad last year. What's going on? You guys are look like you're frozen out on the field. And you need to hold on to the ball, too. Uh, and then Miami. With Gaskin uh, as their notable running back, he did his thing. He scored a touchdown, picked up the tough yards, busted one off for 21 at 57 yards rushing. And then Fitzpatrick, who here here he is in week five, Throwing for three three fifty and three touchdowns, and uh, just a beautiful performance against a 49ers defense that just a year ago was just destroying everybody they played. So it was a big one for Miami. That's a big booster for Miami. So what I'm going to take away from that game is San Francisco to me this year is not their year. Like whether they turn it around or not, I'm not even interested in. I'm just not. I I I've I've completely sold out the uh, San Francisco 49ers. I'm done with them. But this Miami team, look out for this Miami team. Because I'm going to tell you something about this Miami team. Two things. They have so many receivers that I think it's going to be very hard down the stretch if these receivers are what they're supposed to be for other teams to stop these guys. I do. Even with Fitzpatrick, you can put anybody back there at this point. I think these receivers are the the real hidden gem of this team. They have a good receiving core. Everybody's fast. They're all speedsters. But then you have to look at Gaskin as a guy who's a power runner, and he'll pick up the tough yards. And then you just got Fitzpatrick Patrick in the mix who's finding a way to win. So I always love that. But what I love the most is the defense. This Miami defense is underrated. This is a really tough, mean, physical, brute uh, Miami Dolphins defense. And they were never really known for that until a few years ago. So I've loved this evolution of the Miami Dolphins defense because they, they were shutting these 49ers down. Then we can move on to uh, and so you know my takeaway is that Miami's for real. They're they're in the hunt, no doubt. Indianapolis versus Cleveland. Now here's here's 
the my take on this. My my short take is good game for Cleveland. You won thirty two to twenty three. Valiant effort from Indianapolis though. Phillip Rivers didn't even throw a touchdown after talking all that trash last week. This is typical Phillip Rivers. Talks a bunch of trash, wins a game, um, and then puts up a dud. But it was a valiant effort from the rest of the uh, Indianapolis Colts team, especially Jonathan Taylor, ran in a touchdown only on 12 carries. Didn't really get much tick. And they didn't, uh, Phillip Rivers took forever to get him involved in the passing game. Him, uh, two, uh, two catches there. So I just, I'm not happy with, um, this Colts offense stalling out the way they did against the Cleveland Browns defense, which is not that good. And I do think the Cleveland Browns are pretenders. I don't care about their running game. I don't care about the receivers. Baker Mayfield is a dud and this team is not making the playoffs and you can, you can keep crying until the cows come home. I'm not changing my stance on that because of this game. I think the Colts will get better. I think the Colts will make the playoffs. But that's because Phillip Rivers will get fired up and get it get it right. Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines back there. I trust that combination. I trust T.Y. Hilton to get it going um, in the receiving game and allow the other receivers to get uh, open. And then the Indianapolis Colts defense is really good. But they can't be on the field the whole game, you see. No defense can. So my takeaway is Cleveland pretenders, Indianapolis Colts, they're for real. New York Giants versus Dallas Cowboys. Neither one of these teams are in the hunt. It, do, it doesn't matter. The Dallas Cowboys defense just gave up 34 points without giving up a passing touchdown. I mean, that's just insane. You gave up 34 points and the quarterback didn't even throw a touchdown. Against a team with a quarterback that's not I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I've sold the, I've sold out the New York Giants. I've sold them out. They're gone. They're, they're, I don't believe in this team. New York is not having a good year. Politically, they're not having a good year in any way, shape, or form. And their football teams, both of them suck. And the Dallas Cowboys put up 37 points and they suck. And Dak Prescott got hurt. I guess he's out for the year now. I mean, that that wasn't going to change my opinion either way. Obviously, I wish him the best, but it wasn't going to change my mind either way. I don't care if it's Andy Dalton back there. I don't care if it's uh, Wilson back there. I don't care who's back there for the Cowboys. I'm not I'm not high on this team. I think you have all the talent and none of the motivation. I think you have all the talent, no motivation on this team. You guys are, there's, there's no motivation. I see Dak Prescott, he's not getting fired up. I see Dak Prescott, he's not talking to his teammates. I see Ezekiel Elliott, he's sitting on the bench looking at the clock. I see, you know, all these players, no one's talking to each other. There's no energy, there's no camaraderie, there's, there, there's nothing. They beat the New York Giants because the Giants suck. And I'm not buying in on the Cowboys. I like CeeDee Lamb. He's going to be a great player in this league. I like uh, Michael Gallup. I like Amari Cooper. But I see no motivation on this Cowboys sideline, and I don't like it. They're pretenders, and the Giants are pretenders. 
Minnesota Vikings versus Seattle Seahawks. I thought the Vikings would win this one. I thought the Vikings would get this one. They almost did. 26-27. Seattle won. It's hard to count. It's hard to go against Russell Wilson. You don't want to really be doing that much. So definitely making making an adjustment this upcoming week. But uh, yeah, you don't want to be going up uh, against Russell Wilson and what he can do and garbage time and, and just, you know, the nature of how he can win a game. Kirk Cousins played a good game. I'm not saying the Vikings didn't play a good game. Madison came in there and tore it up. We're all thinking Dalvin Cook was a guy, and Madison came in there and tore it up. Um, So I don't know. I just thought that Seattle's rushing defense was bad enough that the Vikings could bust this thing wide open, and they weren't able to do it. Thielen caught two touchdowns. Cousins threw two touchdowns. That was his two. Threw the ball 39 times. You might as well have just kept rushing the, the ball. But I was very impressed with both teams. Um, and I, I wasn't impressed with uh, Seattle's defense because I believed they were bad in, at stopping the run. And then I that was reaffirmed. They are, they're bad at stopping the run. Uh, they let two running backs explode on them. But the Vikings weren't able to bust the game open. They weren't able to get the points. You know, they were able to get the yards. They weren't able to get the points. And that was the letdown from the Vikings standpoint. So I see the Vikings as not making the playoffs. That doesn't mean they're pretenders. The Seahawks are for real. If this game doesn't show you, then I don't know what will. It definitely showed me. And it proved to me that this is a team that I should continue to keep believing in because they are winning the close games. And they're winning when they're, you know, they can get up big and they can hold on to a lead. So, I mean, either way you slice it, uh, Seattle is for real. Then you got New Orleans held on to beat the Chargers in overtime. And uh, I don't know if anybody was surprised about that. Was anybody surprised there? I I think Justin Herbert's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. I think he's going to be awesome and he has been right you don't have to say oh he will be he is right now he's through four touchdowns um they're they're giving the running backs ample time they have two running backs that are running the ball uh with jackson and kelly and they're both producing obviously jackson's their lead back but they're both producing and they have the receivers the receivers that are young and stepping up young and stepping up and that's the thing new orleans is a little bit more you know, they're they're a better developed team at this stage in the game. Especially early on in the year, I like New Orleans' chances. The veterans do their thing early on. That's kind of a consistency in the league. Later on, maybe, you know, there's games they'll drop. They'd be like, oh, we should have had that one. But usually early on, it's like they take care of business right away. And that's what Drew Brees did. And there was no doubt about that. New Orleans are for real. If they would have lost this game, I would have started looking at them as pretenders. But because they won this game and they won it close, I'm happy with New Orleans. I like the way it's going. As far as the Chargers go, well, I still think they're for real. I'm not counting the Chargers out because I think their defense can do a lot. I think their defense can, can really make a difference later on in the season. We'll see. Buffalo versus Tennessee, both these teams are for real. Buffalo had a bad game. 
This is this is a classic case of having a bad game. Forty-two to sixteen, Tennessee wins. But this is a classic example of a team having a bad game. That's what you had. It was a bad game, and you. I don't want to look into it much more than that. Uh, you have Ryan Tannehill, who, in my eyes, was the player of the week. And the reason I say that is because with everything going on with COVID-19, here's the Titans team, then they show up, and then Ryan Tannehill, a guy who everybody had written off. Everybody. The big the big talk guys at uh, ESPN, the big talk guys at every network, they've they writ, they writ this dude out of the script. Right out of the script. He'll never be this, he'll never be that. And here he is. Everybody's talking about Josh Allen and how great Josh Allen is, and he's going to be the MVP. And here's Ryan Tannehill, uh, not so fast. Don't you? You got to at least respect that. Like the veteran coming up, showing up, and saying, yeah, not so fast. No, 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 no. Yeah, I heard about you. But you still got a lot to learn. Like, what a reality check this game was for the Buffalo Bills. Like, there's no other way to look at it than a reality check. Your defense got pushed around. Your offensive line got pushed around. You got bullied. The the Tennessee Titans are like the the big brother in the AFC. Like everybody's pretty confident when they play them, and then they show up and just rough you up, and you're like, whoa. Wow. Didn't expect that. Didn't uh didn't didn't think they would be that strong, right? Didn't think they were gonna be that uh what all that in a bag of chips. And they were. The Tennessee Titans were all, all that in a bag of chips. Heck, there were all that bag of chips and a soda on the side. Maybe a couple sodas because Ryan Tannehill had something. He had some type of good juice, some type of good water, some good mineral water. Because he was lighting it up. And you always say, well, only threw 195 yards. Yeah, but he was 21 for 28 through three touchdowns. He was accurate. And not only that, he didn't have to, he didn't have to do much. Derek, Derek Henry? And then uh, you have Ryan Tannehill decide I'm gonna I'm gonna run the ball four times for 42 yards and, and run in a touchdown. What? The old crafty veteran? Get out of here! So yeah, that was a reality check for Buffalo. That was a reality check, and now uh, you'll see them come back down to earth. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put this show up for everybody, and then I'm gonna do a separate show where uh, I'll give you my picks, give you a little bit more detailed analysis kind of give you a reason why i'm taking that team based on whatever metric i'm using and uh we'll just give this we'll put this up because i still want to do a little bit more research so i'm giving you the most accurate picks not only for myself but for you that way we're all on the same page we're all happy you go out you go make your bets whatever you want to make them and at least you had this analysis so we did a recap of week five it was very fun doing it all with you. I'm gonna, uh, like I said, put this show up, and later on I'll have another show up, and that will be all my picks. We'll be giving out my uh, picks for this upcoming Sunday and Monday night games. And, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Don't forget listener support. You can support this show. Go to Anchor.fm/slash Preston's Super Show. Click support. 
um, a dollar a month, five dollars a month. What do you want to do? What do you know? What do I know besides football and everything else under the sun, right? Ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everyone.